everybody. Wanted to start the show by first just saying thank you very much for support, for listening, for sharing, for reaching out with the podcast this year. Yeah, we're always grateful. We appreciate all the feedback you guys give us reaching out. We're excited to not only do this recap, but talk about the year that was and you know what we're thinking about for the future as well. Today, this is going to be our year in review doubleheader series where we're going to look back on the year of the podcast of Slapping Glass Plus of stuff we've broken down of kind of all the happenings over the last 365 days, which has been a lot. Yeah, absolutely. Look, it'll be a fun conversation today going back through the year that was. And as you'll get into playing it in a a fun segment, hopefully we'll see. Exactly. (laughs) Today will be the podcast and going back through some of our favorite moments, quotes, conversations, ideas throughout the year. And in doing that, what we thought might be interesting is to quiz each other on the podcast and We're going to do a segment called Name That Pod, and you and I have both picked out three quotes from various podcasts throughout the year. We've not told each other, and we're going to quiz each other to see if we can name that pod, how close we'll be, how good our memories are, how good our notes have been all year, and then we'll discuss, obviously, our learnings and our interesting takeaways from that pod as well. I'm just hoping not to go 0 for 3. That's my goal here today. <laughs> I, was too, I was nervous this morning thinking I'm going 0 for 3, I feel like. No, I agree. I think I was much more nervous than just doing a regular podcast conversation. It's a lot easier when we just ask questions. It'll be fun today where this leads us. Yeah. you know, We did over 50 new podcasts and all these conversations are rattling around somewhere. And so we're going to test our knowledge here. So you are going to give me a quote and I'm going to have to guess what podcast that is from. And then we'll go from there. Okay, here we go. The first quote, I think with the way players get developed these days, there's not enough chaos and competition and drills and practices. As they come up, everything's clean. When I was a young coach, I used to have the best, sexiest looking practices. Then we'd go out on the weekend and get our backside handed to us. Until I realized I was doing practices to make my ego look good, I wasn't helping my players. I got it. I know it. That is got to be Chicago Bulls assistant Damian Cotter. Correct. I'm glad you asked me that one. I was hoping that was one of my favorites of the year. Great quote there. Likewise. Yeah. With coach Cotter, I think it was in the start sub sit conversation. We asked him about drill structures and we asked him three different ones, but he has six different types of drill structures. And the, basically the conversation turned into adding confusion into your drills. And that's when we got into messy, chaotic practices and the value he places on having messy practices, but it creates an actual real world environment or a game environment. That conversation has stuck with me since we had it. It was a good quote by him. And I think kind of summarized, yeah, his growth from a young coach who I think as you get into it, you want to be perfect. You want everything to go just right. And then just kind of the realization that it's a messy game full of mistakes and trying to introduce that into practice. Thinking back on that podcast too, and I'm glad you asked me about that one because as I was prepping for this segment, which I'm glad I'm off the hot seat. I got at least one of them. I don't, you know, now if I go for two, I I feel okay. You're still on the hot seat. But yeah, (laughs) for a couple months, it was Coach Cotter and then Cheryl Reeve as well. We talked to, I know we've talked with other coaches as well, but just like toughness and tough teams and what that looks like and how you develop that. And that sometimes the practice doesn't look pretty. And sometimes the drills aren't perfectly designed, all those things, and you could still get better. And I think 
that Coach Cotter spoke really well. That was one of my favorites, the messy practices. I think about that a lot. I mean, we're recording this mid-season and sometimes a drill that just doesn't look perfect on paper sometimes is really helpful because it's developing, like I said, the toughness or some kind of mentality. And like you said, and like Coach Cotter said, the game is messy. Yeah, definitely. He also had some great thoughts on task and social cohesion. When we had our first big bucket conversation on defining toughness that are really worth a listen and he spoke really well on. Yeah. And I think to end this and I will switch to mine, but a shout out to coach Peter Lonergan, who also was on the podcast earlier and his connection to coach Cotter. Yeah. Coach Lonergan was on my honorable mention as far as some quotes that maybe I was going to use from his. Yeah. Well, the power of three for him, I'll say right there, that stuck with me. Same here. Let's flip it over then. So I'm going to now give you a quote and see where we go. So quote, so I have favorite plays my plays. But believe me, sometimes you have to forget one play during the first three months because it's not best for the team. So I'm adding different things all the time, depending on their level. You know, one time as a coach of blank, I won't say, we had four or five plays only, no more. I didn't add more plays because we didn't need to because they were able to understand all the situations the defense was going to do and to just play and organize the team very well. End quote. Pretty sure. I'm pretty confident in my answer here. Is that Coach Cito Alonso? All right. <laughs> yes, that is Cito Alonso. Off to a good start. <laughs> yeah. We could both relax for the rest of the pod now. We both got yeah, at least yeah, one yeah, of Let's them. stop here. Yes, that was Coach Cito Alonso discussing creativity, innovation, your playbook, how you structure those kinds of things. And I really like that quote because I know he's known for, as coaches we've talked to, he's been known in the past for running tremendous sets with discipline and really dictating the game from a set standpoint. But as we talked about on the podcast, he talked about as he's gotten older as a coach, thinking about less sets and just putting in more base actions and teaching how to play out of it. That conversation has just really stuck with me when, you know, I'm thinking about our own playbook or putting in things as far as do we need something brand new or is it just playing better through the options of our system that we already have. And so Going back to that conversation, that quote, he spoke so well on it and was one of my favorite parts of a conversation of the year. Yeah. And it's actually nice that you brought it up because I think at this moment or last I looked, his team was third in the ACB this year. So he knows what he's talking about. <laughs> exactly. No, I'm with you. It's something I think a lot about with adding plays. And I can't remember. It was a conversation with Josh King too. And he said, you know, you scout teams that, yeah, maybe they run like four or five things and they're easy to scout in that sense but you know they're going to do it tremendously well because they're prepared for whatever the defense can throw at them because they're so familiar with those actions versus, yeah, you know, maybe there's teams that are tough to scout because they have 10, 20, you know, all these different sets, all these different plays. And there's merits in that. I remember talking to Coach Trinkiri. I mean, he used different sets to actually teach the offense. So it's always an interesting conversation and one we were looking forward to with him, which like you mentioned in our research, knowing that, yeah, he did kind of at times be set heavy, call a lot of sets and it's always just getting the merits of either or. And I think the conversation was a little unexpected in that, yeah, where he kind of talked about his growth and wanting to kind of simplify. And, you know, he talked about, as you mentioned, the quote, taking players, their favorite plays and getting their input. I think part of that conversation, too, and maybe it was you and I afterwards or with other coaches as this conversation so contextual based off your team, you know, for teams that maybe don't have maybe a younger team or, you know, playmaking is a problem. Sometimes having more set actions can help them because you can 
help them get to a better shot than maybe a team that's got great guard play or senior heavy and knows all the options and you can play with less. And I think that's the sliding scale, obviously, of coaching is does my team need more or less? And there's no perfect answer. It's based on everybody's own individual team. I think Coach Alonzo talked about that and he talked about the growth for himself too of how he's gotten to that place. My last point, I just would be remiss if we didn't mention it during our start sub sit conversation. We really got into his creativity as a coach when we talked about his post split cuts, which he's been well on board when he was at Bilbao. Yes. And then also, you know, maybe a teaser for our second part, what we call that spy defense or dropping the big at the rim and then just trying to deny ice everything on the perimeter. Yep. It was fun to pick his brain on that. Absolutely. All right. We're one for one. All right. Here we go. Hit me with it. My second quote for you, Dan, is we have to teach them how to listen, how to learn, and most importantly, how to comprehend what we are talking about. And one of the best things to get players to comprehend and execute better is to teach them how to start better. Oh, man. How to start better. Okay. Oh, I've got two in my mind. Teach them how to start better. Okay. That feels like a training skill development type of quote there. So I'm going to go with Oh, I'm going to go with Phil Beckner on that one. Bingo. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I think what drew me back to this conversation was really one of the follow-up questions you asked. And he had great thoughts on teaching because we really got into developing the conceptual side of player development and how he thinks about it. But your follow-up question on just teaching through plateaus. We've had it maybe a couple more times since then, but that was the first one where we really got into it. And he's dealing with top athletes in the world and how you get them that 1% better was really fun to hear his thoughts and talk about. I mean, he went into just, you got to really reinforce like the details and getting back to the basics and really nailing down those to break through that inevitable plateau. One of my big takeaways when I look back at the year and thoughts that have stayed with me. Yeah. And these aren't, you know, the top episodes per se. These are just ones we like, but Coach Beckner's was by far one of the most listened to episodes of the year. I think it really rang true for a lot of coaches listening. And I think that I really like the conceptual workout part of it where I think he does such a great job of not just working on a skill in isolation, but that everything, and this is just so true for basketball, nothing is done in isolation, I guess, other than a free throw. Like Everything involves some other player, a pass, a dribble, a screen, spacing, teaching players to understand all those things while they're developing skill, I think is like what he does really well. So we dove into kind of a sample of how he might do a conceptual workout, what that looks like. And then I agree, I still think about that plateau stuff all the time in my own coaching stuff. How do I help players push through, you know, early season, everybody's kind of learning, the growth curve is steep. And then you get to middle of the year and players are stuck in some situation. How do you help them push through? And he had just a ton of insight. And obviously he's worked with and still works with some of the best players in the world. So an awesome conversation for sure. Yeah. And I agree when you do reach those plateaus, or like you said, when you get into the middle of the season, whether it's with the team or with a player and you got to give them more, which was nice to hear from them. Just like, I keep working hard. I mean, of course that's a factor with anything, but what to focus on a coach, like what to maybe hit on or go back to, to actually break through rather than, you know, sometimes as a player, of course, trust the process or keep working, keep working, but giving them like some tangible stuff, especially with players, like to give them direction or a focus to get through rather than I am working hard and I'm still whatever, or we're still working hard and we still can't figure this out. 
Yeah. And maybe this is just a quick side tangent on all this stuff right now. As we're doing this review, and I think as you and I prepped for this conversation, going back through all these episodes all year, I mean, there's a ton of themes, but I think the theme of the year has been how do you teach players to play the game? You know, whether it's from a training standpoint, like with Coach Beckner, or whether it was just talking about Coach Cito Alonso and teaching players to play through less sets, but all the options. And it's how do you teach? How do you teach decisions? And going Coach Carter, the messy practices over and over and over all year. And I think that's one of our favorite things to ask on the podcast is just how do you teach stuff and kind of rings through what these ones we're talking about, but really all of them throughout the year. Yeah, it's a good point. And it goes back to even with Coach Cotter and talking about messy practices and something that sticks with me. I don't think it was a conversation outside of our podcast, but you don't want to train perfection in practice because it's unattainable. And if you do, you have to slow practice down so much The result is for one specific scenario, maybe you're going to be perfect at it. But how often does that one scenario show up and where this is the value of the messy practices or all the stuff you mentioned, just how do you create an environment where you're replicating games and you're seeing multiple situations and trying to solve through them with effort intensity. So it's the goal is perfection, but you don't want to train for perfection. A quick thank you to our partners this year who have helped support the growth of the podcast and our entire Slapping Glass platform. Please sign up for our Sunday morning newsletter or visit slappingglass.com to learn more about Huddle, Beyond Sports Tours, and Just Play, and the quality products and services that they provide for coaches across the board. All right, move on. Number two for you. Let's do it. All right, this is a little bit longer of a quote, but I'll chunk it down. So, Pat, number two for you. Here it is. Nowadays, if you watch all the best coaches, it's all about sucker switches. It's all about getting matchups. If one of our sucker defenders gets switched onto a guy, what shots are we okay with giving up first and foremost? So what are we okay with? We're going to be okay with giving high paint twos. We've modified our analytics from just saying we're going to give up paint touch twos to now it's either low paint twos or high paint twos. We're okay with giving up long contested twos We just tell our guys, even if that's a sucker switch where a five gets to a one and a ball screen because of emergency switch, we're going to say, fight for one of our shots we want to give up. And if you could just force them into that tough two or you could force them into a pull three, we'll live with that. All right. I thought for a moment you were just going to read me the whole podcast. (laughs) I know. Sorry. (laughs) Anxiety went away once I heard sucker. So I'm fairly confident this is Sundance Wicks. (laughs) Yeah, this is Sundance Wicks. By far, one of the most popular episodes of the year by a long shot, highly entertaining. Yeah, I picked this one for you because among the many things we talked about on that podcast, that was awesome. Just the concept of we talked about building your base defense, but then building in the scout into it. And we got into spotting the sucker, how you hide a defender that's maybe not as good. And then what I really liked about this was realistically telling weaker defenders if they're stuck in a mismatch teaching them what the shot profile is of what we'd like to give up and what we'll live with. And if they make the shot, they make the shot. But this is what you can do defensively. And I think Sundance is really smart, doing a heck of a job so far in his first year at Green Bay. And it was just an interesting part of our conversation, discussing switches, matchup problems, and shot profiles. We had a lot of actually conversations this year on mismatch hunting Where's Waldo was another good analogy we heard. Meg Griffith from Columbia Women's Basketball. Yeah. Coach Wicks had a ton of great thoughts on, like you said, from defensive side, but offensive side on finding these, hunting these suckers, protecting your suckers. 
And his kind of closing thought on that whole thread at the time, I really liked when he talked about how back in the day, like ball reversals was the big thing, just getting it side to side, where now how he views it is it's all about paint punctures or, you know, getting paint packs and creating closeouts. It's closeout creation rather than just, you know, we move it side to side. And oftentimes as well, you've just put the defense in a great shell drill versus trying to collapse the paint as early as possible and then, you know, building advantages. So that conversation was a great conversation, not only tactically, but then, of course, culturally, how he builds a culture. And I mean, we still get emails today, people asking for his ABCs. I mean, we'd probably still be having a conversation and it'd still be entertaining and good if we went through all of his ABCs. But that's definitely a part of the conversation I would recommend going back and listening to and how he builds culture and definitely his weight room sessions, the noisy days. Again, I don't think I'm ready to adopt that, but I would love to see it. <laughs> yeah. And for those maybe haven't heard it yet, the weight room sessions where they have days where they've got to be talking and be loud and be communicating the whole session, the whole time, knowing Sundance I mean, it's just part of his personality and just part of the culture he's building. He said, what was it? Bring the juice. Bring the juice. Yeah. We obviously recommend listening to all our podcast conversations for various reasons and whatever your coaching style is and whatever you're into. But this Sundance Wix one is far and away one of the best of the year, most entertaining of the year for sure. And we weren't surprised, I guess we'll say, like just knowing him off air, but he definitely brought the juice to the podcast for sure. Yeah. And then. I think just to tie a bow on this as well, the conversation about spotting the sucker, mismatch hunting, switching. We also had a conversation later here in December with French coach Mehdi Mary about attacking switching and the balance of running your offense through the switching and not trying to mismatch hunt. With other coaches, we've talked about how you may or when you may mismatch hunt and the sort of gray area and the art of knowing when to maybe pull it out, stop, play through a mismatch versus just keep that thing moving and let the flow of the offense create the advantage. And Coach Medi Mary's conversation had a ton of insight as well, just on this topic. And so I love throughout the year hearing different coaches' thoughts on switching, which is another, I'd say, takeaway over the year of just always thinking about how do we attack a team that's switching our best actions and are really good at it and constantly trying to find ways to do that. Yeah. Coach Barach, who we, at the time of this recording recently had on earth, he said, yeah, what was it? Five, 10 years ago, maybe you'd spend five, 10 minutes at the end of the practice, just like, all right. And if they switch, we do this, this, and switching was associated with coaches are just lazy, don't want to teach. And now it's the exact opposite. I mean, he said, you should start practices with how we're going to solve switching, attacking the switch because all the top teams and teams that are having success have the ability to at least switch at some point, late clock, late quarter, and really stymie opponents. All right, Dan, my last one. I feel kind of bad now. I told you beforehand, I wasn't trying to trick you, but there was a tougher quote I was going to give you because I, all the quotes I wanted to use were, I thought, dead giveaways. But then you asked me, Coach Sundance Wicks with the sucker. So now I feel bad, but... Don't worry. I'm two for two. I'm playing with house money. Yeah. All right. I trust you. So my quote is, the consistency of systems allows competency. I really believe it's all about the systems you have in place to help build the confidence of your team of what to expect every day. Mm, nice. <laughs> yeah. Definitely difficult. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. It sounds like a couple of people and me, but I'm going to go with, can I give you two? No, I got, I got to just choose. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to go with 
Julie Folks, Transylvania. Great job, man. Let's go. <laughs> you know the Slapping Glass podcast. I do. Uh, you know, when you're selling me it, the system's a key word, but it just sounded like her. Yeah. Every quote I was trying to had like either neuroscience or science of touch. And I thought it'd be like a dead giveaway. And I, yeah, I wanted to challenge you a little bit, but uh, you did great. You passed. And this was really one of my top three of the year with Coach Julie Folks. And we have a lot of culture conversations. Like we just talked about Wix. And what I really appreciated with her conversation is what does culture look like tangibly? How do you measure it? And it was really fun to get into a conversation with her. And then in our research, you know, with her neuroscience background, just hearing her thoughts, it was such a unique perspective and such a scientific perspective on it. It was really entertaining, also kind of eye-opening at times as well in what she said and the value of positive touches, using names, eye contact. And then we had a good conversation about tone and how she will play a game with the players on tone. But all this stuff that as she mentioned, triggers an actual physical response in your body and your brain that builds trust. And that's really what the conversation boiled down to in her culture conversation of just how she builds trust within her team. Yeah. And I'm with you on this being one of my favorite conversations of the year. So many nuggets throughout. And her team is once again, one of the top teams in division three women's basketball. And I'm with you. I thought intentionality that she has with her culture building is just so evident. And like you just mentioned, I won't you know repeat all those things, but I think that it's fun to hear a coach think so deeply about it and not just, hey, let's throw up some quotes on the wall and that's our culture, but like the actions and the science behind the actions I thought was what set this podcast apart. It was, here's what we do. Here's why. Here's data and evidence to support why these things are important. And then here's how we practice it every day. And I just thought the whole conversation was unbelievable. You know, as we kind of chunk things in the podcast, you know, we had the first half hour, our first bucket, as we call it, was all about this. But then, boy, the start sub sit was unbelievable too. When she talked about offensive rebounding and zone principles, I mean, it's just a high, high level podcast from her. Yeah, well said. And I, I did, I wrote down in my prep, like you mentioned in the back half when we got into shot selection and zone and her tagging up philosophy or offensive rebounding philosophy. I really liked how she tied their offensive rebounding philosophy to the shot types that they were giving up. I mean, of course, the shots they wanted to take, but then knowing if we want to generate a lot of threes, those are good opportunities to tag up because the ball's obviously hanging in the air much longer and you can get position versus if it's a post up. The defense is usually on the inside already. Quicker shots, quicker rebounds, a little bit harder to tag up. But I like that connection that she made in explaining or developing her offensive rebounding philosophy. And then what I also wrote down, kind of the stay until you score mentality, is that she instilled players with their offensive rebounding philosophy. Yeah, that's true. I've forgotten about that quote. That's great. I feel bad. You said you're going to kind of trick me. I'm kind of in the same ballpark on this third one. I think we're thinking the same thing. So. <laughs> I feel pretty good being three for three. So now the pressure does go to you here to close it out. All right. This one might be a little too tricky, though. That's my only fear, but I'm going to give it to you and we'll see. I challenge you to think outside the box. Oh, man. Okay. All right. Here's a quote. I think coaches, you know, everyone's aware of having a good culture and taking the time to make people feel a sense of belonging or comfortable. But as the season starts and you're moving ahead as a head coach or coach, 
You have so many things to take care of from preparation, practice, planning, all this stuff. It does become a matter of how much energy are you willing to put into it. Belonging, he got me immediately thinking about Owen Eastwood, but I don't think he said then the follow-up sentence. This is a little tricky. I apologize. No, no, no. But you're on the right track. All right. I Hold on. I'm, I'm getting closer now. You know this person well. I'll say that. Person well. Oh, man. Now I'm just way overthinking it. That's okay. <laughs> I know this person well in like a personal sense or that I just studied his team. I say, you know, pretty personally. Now I'm going to feel bad if I completely forget about him. <laughs> well, Is it Miles Simon? That's a good guess. We did get into some of that culture stuff, but I'm going to give this one to you because of the tricky nature of this question. Okay. You were correct. It was from the Owen Eastwood podcast, but that quote is from yourself in our wrap-up session <laughs> during the Owen Eastwood <laughs> conversation. That is a that is a Patrick Carney original? wrap-up original quote <laughs> from Owen Eastwood. I'm going to give that to you because it was pretty tricky. Well, now I don't feel bad. If my quote wasn't tricky enough, then when you're giving me my own quote back. <laughs> I was going to say, whoever said that sounded like a real dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so I'm going to give it to you because it was from Owen Eastwood and that podcast on belonging. And that was you from our wrap up discussing (laughs) how much time. And I went back and I was, you know, listening back through that podcast because that was also one of my favorites of the year. I think both of ours. And I think it's one of the most popular of the year. And I was listening to our recap a little bit and you and I discussing that with other coaches. We've talked about this building culture and Owen Eastwood was amazing on belonging and you know alphas and the wolves and the lions and the sheep but as you and i were talking about in our wrap-up it takes time it takes energy and how much of it can you fit into your day and i thought it was a good point you're bringing up in our wrap-up of you listen to the podcast and it's like this is great i got to do this stuff i got to think about it i got to be intentional going back to even julie folks a second ago but it goes back to how much of your time do you carve out for it and really make it a priority he spoke obviously really well. He's an expert in that field. And I go back to our podcast with the Laranegas and I believe it was Jay said that intentional, unintentional or know it or not, you're as a coach or a player, you're setting the culture and what you do or don't do or what you emphasize or don't emphasize. You know, there's never not a time where you're really, let's say neutral and it makes sense to invest in, in doing it right and building this belonging as an own Eastwood case or any culture, or however you want to go about it, you know, what we talked about with Coach Folks and building the trust. Because at the end of the day, I always go back to Coach Will Voigt. This stood with me if we do uh, all of our podcast review. You know, you can take a group of guys and if they have the buy-in, if they have the culture, if you can coach them, if you can teach them, and that starts with relationships you build, then you can run the Flex, you can run Princeton, whatever you want to run. It doesn't have to be cutting edge, but you're going to have some level of success because your guys are always going to play hard. And they're always going to fight for each other. And I think this is why, you know, especially with young coaches, you can't miss the boat on this. You have to be aware of it in some aspect and you have to constantly be working at it and developing it with your team. And whether it's building trust, building belonging, or, you know, your ABCs, what we discussed with Coach Wicks, bringing the juice. I think you have to make some, like we said, non-negotiables. You have to choose what's important to you and you got to follow through on it. Yeah. And well said on all that. I think all the time about our conversation in there about lions, wolves, and sheep, and just the makeup of a locker room and you know the lions being the ones that are going to take and make the big shot. They're going to take the charge. They're not afraid of the moment. The wolves can get some good stats for you, but they're not really the most dependable in big moments, but you still need yeah. them. 
and then the sheep obviously kind of fall in line type of thing. I loved the imagery. I loved the discussion behind it. And I feel like I'm always thinking about now with our own team, who are the lions, who are the wolves, who are the sheep? It's like an interesting way to think about your team and who you really trust going back to that. Well, hey, this was fun. We'll call it six for six here. I'm going to give you that because that was, <laughs> you had Owen Eastwood, right? You can't be wrong on your own quotes, you know? Yeah. I was feeling bad for my one quote. When you said you tricked me and then you just changed a word, I felt, oh, just wait. Yeah. But in the rules, it's in the pod. So 2024 will define the rules more clearly here. <laughs> <laughs> well, says you still got it. And so, then you told me uh, someone um, I know well. I'm like, who do I know well? Like, <laughs> <laughs> But that was a fun way to go back through. I mean, just six of them. But I think as we kind of close here, this was just an unbelievable year. So many things that we've learned interviewing some of our absolute heroes of coaches. I know we didn't talk. We only talked about six people today, but people that we've looked up to and were able to have on. And so we're looking forward to next year. And we appreciate everybody that's listened and shared or supported in some way. It's been an awesome 2023. Yeah. Like Dan said, we appreciate your support and you guys taking the time to listen to our podcast and invest in us. And we're excited for the future and we hope everyone has a nice holiday. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Please make sure to visit slappingglass.com for more information on the free newsletter, Slapping Glass Plus, and much more. Have a great week coaching, and we'll see you next time on Slapping Glass. Would we have a name yet for this thing? I have like slapping back for <laughs> slapping glass <laughs> slapping glass that's kind of funny i like that that's good. those are all <laughs> slapping glass <laughs>